This parable of the wicked tenants and the landowner meant something very specific for Jesus when he was telling it at the time. But it also means something for us as well right now. And it's very applicable to our lives as Christians and our society as a whole right now. I'd like to kind of talk about its original intention and what Jesus is speaking about in this parable. And so the parable begins, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And Isaiah, in the first reading, another parable very similar to this one, says, My friend had a vineyard, he's he's speaking of God, My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a wine press. And so we'll see with the gospel parable, it's kind of a summation of salvation history. The history of God choosing and saving us as human beings or inviting us into his own life. And so this very beginning images of the planting of the vineyard, all the work that goes with doing that. And it's not like the Midwest and the Holy Land. Uh, I've seen these vineyards. It is not as easy to grow things there. It's not California out there. It's a lot of work to make the land fertile. It's a lot of work, um, painstaking work, to pick up in this, there's just rocks everywhere in the Holy Land. It's very dry. And so we can imagine this landowner creating this vineyard and all the precious uh, amount of of attention that he's paying to detail and all the work day after day, years and years. It takes years, years and years and years, even here, to create a wine vineyard, but especially out there, before you can even produce any fruit whatsoever. This, of course, reminds us of God's creation. The creating of the material universe. And we think about, I think about, the Big Bang. And it's just this long process. 14.7 billion years ago, we know that the universe was about the size of a grapefruit. And about 4.5 billion years ago, the earth was created as, as we kind of have it now. And then at a much shorter time in the whole span of these years, we as human beings were created to live on this earth. And we were given 
as, as we know from the, the book of Genesis, our spirit was breathed into us, the spirit of God himself. We think about perhaps the process of evolution and however the construction of the material universe took place, but God breathing his own life into us as human beings, this creation, the man creating his vineyard. And then in the second part of the parable for today, the man leases out his vineyard to tenants. And so in salvation history, God chose a very particular people, his chosen people, in the Old Covenant. This is the people of Israel, God's chosen people who he guided, formed, called to himself. And he enjoyed them participating in his own work of salvation in the Old Covenant. And the next part of the parable, where it starts to get a little bit more dark, is the tenants are wicked. And so they rebel against the landowner. They don't want to give him the produce. They do not want to acknowledge that it is his land to begin with. And this is what Jesus is referring to as the coming of the law and the prophets. God sending messengers after the people of Israel have rebelled against God. And this is kind of a cycle that happens throughout the Old Testament. God chooses his people, the people of Israel. They come to rebel against God. God, in his mercy and his gentleness and his fatherliness, sends messengers, the prophets, to call them back to himself. Sometimes they repent, but very often they do not. And this cycle just keeps happening. One they seized, another they stoned, another they killed. And then God sent, and then the landowner sent more of his servants, and the same thing happened. This eventually culminates in the landowner sending his own son. And the landowner says, well, they, they haven't, and the landowner has not sent reinforcements. You know, we imagine the landowner more as a king, someone who's very wealthy. He hasn't sent reinforcements to fight against and kill and take retaliatory uh, action against the tenants who have killed all these people at this point, his servants. Instead, the landowner sends his son, the most perfect extension of himself. They'll listen to my son, and they'll respect him. This, of course, correlates with God becoming a human being, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. And Jesus, God himself, coming into our own humanity, and we killed him. We didn't like what he had to say, so we killed him. And then we kind of hear this very dark, question answered by the chief priests and the, and the people that Jesus is speaking to. What will the owner do to these tenants when he comes? 
They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him produce at the proper times. This part represents the final judgment of God. All of our particular judgments when we die and we face God, it speaks of the second coming. It's the coming of the landowner to the land. And also, it's leased out to, to tenants, the land is leased out to tenants who will bear fruit. And so this is the just, those who God has chosen and who have bore good fruit. Okay. That's kind of what Jesus was speaking about at that time to those people. It still applies to us today. The central conflict is the wicked tenant's desire to seize the land that does not belong to them in the first place and their refusal to bear fruit for the landowner. And remember, the landowner wants the tenants there. He's very happy that they're participating in the work. He's hired them. He's put this beautiful land, this vineyard together. He just wants them to take part in it. For us as individual human beings, this means us being obedient to God in our own lives. And there's a rebellion inside of us that all of us want to become our own gods. It's kind of the first conflict in the the scriptures, in the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve decide that they want to be the ones who choose what is good for them and not trust in God, and so they take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they want to become their own gods, choosing what is right and what is wrong. There's a rebellion against their own creation and the reality that God has established. This takes place in the individual souls of all of us when we disobey God. We do not bear fruit when we disobey God. God constantly, although sometimes he may seem absent, physically absent, where are you? And sometimes we might not feel his presence. But God has given us messengers that point to himself, that help remind us, his servants, He's given us Jesus, his own son who has revealed himself to us. He has given us the church, the Catholic church, as a guide for moral truths and the truth of our existence and understanding our existence. He has given us our own consciences. There's no other creature in God's creation that has a conscience We have been given a conscience, which is to be formed by the church and by Jesus. So we are called to obedience to the laws of God. We know when he's speaking to us in our consciences, and sometimes we ignore it. We kill it. We kill that little voice that we know we should follow. On a societal level, I think... 
that this is done in a lot of very obvious ways. We as Americans, as a Western society, we rebel against God's revealed truths and we try to make up reality in our own image and likeness. This is very obviously done as human beings are treated as consumers. And this is considered one of the central aspects of, of human beings. We see this in, our, in a lot of ways in our culture, but we're treated as though all there is in life is consuming, consuming products. All there is in life is to achieve ambitious goals for our careers and make a lot of money. There's a concerted effort to rebel against our creator, the landowner, in the vicious, the vice-like movement against and the destruction of the family, the redefinition of what a family is, redefinition of what marriage is, the aggressive gender ideology that is very common today that says that I define who I am and what I am. There's a lack of humility and obedience to the established creation that God has done for our good out of loving and gentle fatherly care. The truth of the matter is we are created in God's own image and likeness. We have been chosen to participate in his work, in the work of God himself, and we achieve this through obedience to the God of creation. And we bear much fruit in our obedience. Jesus, give us humble hearts. Help us to be obedient and to really enjoy working with you in the Father's vineyard, the vineyard of our interior lives and our exterior lives. Help us to look at reality with gratitude and the lives that you have given us with gratitude. And Give us the strength to be obedient to your will in our lives. Give us strength in the moral life. And give us union with you and the Father. We ask this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. And let us take a few minutes in silence to listen to and speak with the Lord in our, in our hearts.